It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. You know it, you love it, you listen to it. It is J.C. and Morgan. It's installment number 180. Mike Morgan, J.C. Sherbert, one less mouth to feed as uh, Michael Haney is uh, out mm. in Cabo doing the music thing and sipping on Modelo's and living the good life. The rest of us are grinding, covering the sport that we know and love, college football. And so, 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 so much to talk about. It's that time of year, uh, J.C., where it's just a complete constellation of all these star-type storylines, rivalry week coaching stories, playoffs, uh, controversy here and there on a number of different subjects, um, and the rumor mill is hot and heavy. So we, we've got a number of different places we can go. I, I do want to uh, I want to start off and say I hope, hope everybody had a great uh, Thanksgiving. Hope everybody enjoyed their, uh, their rivalry week, and uh, everybody is excited about the upcoming uh, postseason championship Saturday and Friday, uh, and then beyond. Did uh, everything go well for you? Been uh, beautiful, cold, windy Chi Town. Yeah, we actually um, the boys, uh, her, her her sons, actually they, it was their dad's time to take them to their grandparents. So we kind of hung out by ourselves and made some chili and watched some pro football and watched one heck of an egg bowl. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State, which I, I think continues to be one of the most underrated rivalries in the country. And uh, there's, you know, I, I think going into it, Mike, what was funny about that game, watching it, sitting here eating some chili and having a few cold ones was, uh, you know, my thought went through my mind, neither one of these coaches, and it'll be a real shame in Mississippi, may not be here next year because there were rumors Leach was going to be out, just mm-hmm. rumors, though. Um, and then Lane Kiffin and Auburn obviously was a hot and heavy subject at the time. They had cooled significantly by Saturday, but uh, yeah, great, uh, great freaking, um, great freaking uh, Thanksgiving for me. And, and the, whole, the whole weekend really was special. I was going to call this, uh, you know, years ago. I don't know where it started. Maybe it was you know game day and some of the coverage. It, it felt like every weekend in college football, particularly down the stretch had to have some kind of unique nickname, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes it felt a little forced, and other times it, it, it was apropos. But I was, I was thinking of calling this, and you always come up with uh, good good titles <laughs> for our installments when you, uh, when you download the pod, when you drop it, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of in charge of the title every now and then. I'll have one that I want to get out there. But th- this feels to me, this past weekend – was anti-cliché rivalry week. What do I mean by that? The cliché for rivalry week is always throw the records out. Anybody can win. Uh, I know that this team is a 20-point favorite over their in-state rival, but when these two teams meet, it's just different. The fact of the matter is, if you go back in history, let's just say the last 10 years, I I wish I had data to support this. We don't have a, a crack research staff, but I just know from following it, most of the teams that are favored win. Like it, it, it's not that this huge amount of upsets it's in some cases, it's been painfully predictable. So, you know, in the, in the case of Ohio state and Michigan, 
uh, Ohio State has had the upper hand because they've had the better teams. Uh, more recently, Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, Carolina, when they won five in a row, they were better. Clemson mm-hmm. wins seven in a row, they were better. We'll talk about that unbelievable upset uh, and a huge win for Shane Beamer and that program later. Um, you know, But you look at it, the Apple Cup, the Egg Bowl, there's, there hasn't been a, like this tremendous trend of unpredictability. So it's kind of a cliche to say all these things. But this week, no, this week it was an anti-cliche because even if you thought Michigan was going to beat Ohio State, you didn't think they were going to stomp them. You did not think they were going to stomp them in Columbus. That was an upset, and the way they did it, major upset. Mm. Big props to Michigan. I know we got of our, our thousands of listeners every week. We got a huge Michigan fan, and Justin, I know he's a happy camper, uh, still gleeful over what happened on Saturday Good for him. You and I have been big-time defendants. I want to remind everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say I prefer to talk about things that we're wrong about because it's more entertaining than two guys patting themselves on the back. But we sat here when everybody else was shooting arrows at Jim Harbaugh and begging for him to be fired. That would be a stupid move for Michigan and that he's he's still a damn good coach, and he proved that again. They played Jim Harbaugh football on Saturday, Mike, and, and that shows you there's something to be said for physicality. There's something to be said for blocking and tackling. They did it with Blake Corum doing very little. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, who actually played high school football near where I live in Chicago, uh, is a stud. Um, and, 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 and I think they've gotten back to that, to, to playing uh, – somebody called it Bo Schimbeckler football, which would make sense because Jim Harbaugh played for Bo Schimbeckler. But they, they were just physically the, the more physical football team, uh, and they won. You know they won the game, and uh, yep. and that's the second straight year they they've beaten them by double digits after all that misery <laughs> yeah, that they've endured in that in that series, and they're going to the playoff most likely. Yeah. I mean, they got to beat Purdue, and I think even if they lose to Purdue, they probably could get in. But uh, I think so. You know, they, they've they've and, and Michigan's been one of those teams. And shout out to our buddy that does listen that you know give him a big go blue and shout out to <laughs> shout out to my personal trainer back in Greenville, South Carolina, the Hammer. That listens sometimes. He's a big Michigan fan, so go blue here to, to him too. Are we giving out Michigan shout outs? Can yeah, I give one more? Go do shout it. out to Remy Hamilton, who was my high school quarterback when I was a wide receiver. We played together two years. He later became a kicker at Michigan, hit a game winner to beat Notre Dame and Lou Holtz. Remy <laughs> Hamilton can will never pay for a drink in Ann Arbor the rest of his life. Uh, so there's my shout out to my, my my former guy on the gridiron who was a hell of a soccer player and then became a kicker and uh, the rest is history. There, there, there's my my final maize and blue uh, shout out. I can't believe Remy Hamilton hit that field goal of beat us in the <laughs> 1987 in Notre Dame, Michigan. Both Shim Beckler with yeah, okay, I got you. But anyway, Remy that's blue. uh that's uh that's they were very impressive, Mike. Very very impressive. Mm-hmm. They and, and so you had that. I mentioned. Very few people gave South Carolina a chance to win at Death Valley and Clemson. 40 straight home wins. Snap that streak. That's done. Um, you, know, you mentioned Ole Miss-Mississippi State. I think a lot of people assumed that Ole Miss was going to win that game at home. Uh, Mississippi State has struggled. Mike Leach had not won an Egg Bowl. And so Mississippi State wins that one. Now, that's that's maybe the more – that's more of an unpredictable rivalry game than some of these others. Florida State beat Florida. Those are two teams that are right now in in different spots. Florida State better quarterback play, 
playing better football. Florida, this was clearly a transitional year for Billy Napier, and they're going to uh, try and crush it in the portal and, and recruiting to get his kind of uh, uh, players. But, I, I mean, everywhere you looked, like the Arizona, Arizona State, the Apple Cup, like they were, they were all good games. Mm-hmm. So it was an anti-cliche rivalry week. Like it, it stood on its own merit. You didn't need to say those cheesy expressions to help sell the game that – aren't always 100% accurate or even close to being accurate. This actually lived up to the hype. If you were sitting there remote in hand, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and watching these games, you were not disappointed. So uh, congratulations to everybody that that uh, that put on a heck of a show for all of us while we're yeah. you know, digesting all the, those Thanksgiving leftovers and and being treated to great football at the same time. That's all we ask here in America, right? We're pretty simple people. Absolutely. I mean, shout out to uh, – I know we're going to talk about this as we get to the, our under-the-radar segment later, but uh, the Civil War, Oregon State, when they staged a, a massive late rally to win in that one. Now, they didn't uh, – they won in, They won that game in 2022, but the Pac-12 only played like four games. But, uh, you know, so shout out to the Beavers. They have a, they have a two-game win streak against the Ducks in – beautiful Corvallis now. So uh, it did. It lived up to the hype. Mike. But here's the thing. And I want to point this out because you, you make you make a good point, anti-cliche. You know, there's a reason South Carolina was able to compete with uh, Clemson this year because South Carolina has recruited, used the portal, gotten better players, have a much better quarterback situation than they had last year. Uh, and so they, they were – it made sense that they were in the game. Um, you know, uh, Oregon State has been a program, you know, they're, they're a nine and three team. It's not like four and seven Oregon State shocks 11 and 0 Oregon, which I think happened like a while back. Uh, you know, uh, Florida and Florida State, uh, great football game, and they are in different spots, but Florida State is better than they were. You know, yeah. last year they were five and six trying to get the bowl. Gator, the Gators with an interim coach beat them because they were just better. Um, and I think one thing that was telling about that game, and uh, my friend Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports tweeted this, it's like this is the second best team in the ACC. And that's when I kind of started thinking, South Carolina probably has a shot at Clemson tomorrow based on this. We know it's always Clemson's Huey Lewis and the rest of the ACC is the news, but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess like the 11th best team in the SEC, really, because Florida um, and, and, I, you know, uh, the, the South Carolina game. I don't know what happened there, but uh, they uh, and they've been playing up and down football most of the year, which most get most Gators expected. But uh, you know they're, they're just not in the upper echelon of the league this year. Uh, and yet it was a fourth quarter game, and they covered the spread, and it was one uh, I'm sure Billy Napier company would like to have back. So you're right, great weekend rivalry rivalry weekend. You know sometimes rivalry weekend, like you said it. It doesn't live up to the hype. You're sitting there watching, like, ah, this this team didn't have a chance despite the pomp and circumstance and all that. And we look forward to championship weekend and then the bowls and all that. But, you know, this is one of those years where where the rivalry weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving, definitely met the moment. I I thought it was one of the best in a while. Yeah. I I really – I thought it was one of the best rivalry weekends we've had in quite some time in in college football – uh, you and I, for the last few years, have talked about the painful predictability of the sport. We still love it. Uh, I think this year has been refreshing. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there was um, <laughs> what what do I like to call those programs that they're down for a while? Volcano. They're, what's that? Volcano. Right? That's right. That's right. So I couldn't help but think as I'm watching Southern Cal 
on the doorstep of a playoff, a program that has been remarkably down. But th- that is the program that that fits my definition of a volcano program. So uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, and I've been to Hawaii. Mauna Loa is a volcano that a huge volcano in Hawaii mm-hmm. that finally erupted after I don't know how many uh, decades, and it, it made major major news. Uh, so they Southern Cal is the Mauna Loa of college football right now. Mm-hmm. Like they they what, what's what's going on, and that was another pretty good game. But you know Caleb Williams put on a show. If he does win the Heisman, you're gonna you're gonna look back at some. Of, he didn't put up eye popping numbers, but uh, for a lot of people, that's the first time they've really watched Southern Cal football and and seen some of his talent, which is legit. I mean, he, him and Drake May will likely be the top two picks in the draft next year. Um, but, but that, that they are the very definition of a volcano program. They can't stay down for too long. There's too many things in their favor that Southern Cal should be, uh, irrelevant and college football wants desperately Southern Cal to be in this thing. Um, I, I, they want, they want geographical balance. They want somebody West of Texas to be worth following, Southern Cal draws ratings. It's a brand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Mauna Loha, <laughs> God, I know I'm butchering that. Uh, it erupted, and 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 so has Southern Cal. And again, they could still they could still lose to Utah a second time and and choke it away. It wouldn't even be a major upset if that happened, but uh, something tells me that they will prevail. And they will make the college football playoff, and I think that's good. I think that's good for for college football. I've got no uh, skin in the game, but I think I think that'd be good for college football. So, in his infinite um, wisdom, and with the possible case of FOMO, Michael Haney just texted over, hot off the presses, the hot Haney five. So you won't hear the dulcet tones of Michael Haney reading this, uh, but we will go over this now. And uh, and just chop it up here, JC. Okay, it is a JC and Morgan presented by Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com for the very best custom-made jeans. Make sure you check out the website, order a pair, great gift for the holidays. That's BlueDeltaJeans.com. Hot Haney 5, number one, bigger surprise, Michigan margin of victory or the A&M win over LSU. Additionally, did we just witness the beginning of the end of the Ryan Day era in Columbus? Uh, on Ryan Day, you know, it, it, it's hard to replace uh, Urban Meyer uh, anywhere, um, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, unless you're uh, uh, Winningham, Kyle Winningham at Utah, he, he's been fine. But, uh, you know, I, hmm. I think that that's hard to begin with. Now, Ryan Day did some great things, played for a national championship. Uh, you know, he's winning Big Tens. They're recruiting well. Um, but you don't lose that game. Uh, you can ask John Cooper about that, or some of the other Ohio State uh, coaches that have lost that game. You don't. You, you shouldn't lose it at Michigan. Um, they. They. That. That's the game they. They care about, and uh, it, it has to be frustrating, given that I think many felt like this was maybe Ohio State. Remember in the in the preseason, all we talked about is Ohio State, Alabama. We we actually said, speaking of things I was wrong about, I know I said it, there's Ohio State and Alabama, and then everybody's kind of right behind them. I think we all said that. We're I all mean, wrong on that. But yeah, totally. Alabama 
it, it has flaws. They're, 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 they have flaws. They're a good team, great team even, but they have flaws. And then Ohio State, from the Notre Dame game on, there were just at times, Mike, where you just didn't feel like, you know, they were that gr- dominant. They were great. They weren't dominant. Uh, and, and you think about the times they struggled uh, against the Irish in the opener and, and then in the finale against Michigan, two big physical football teams. So they struggled with that physicality. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens in Columbus. So I, I, and I don't know. I mean, their fans are not going to be happy. They're going to be people that are upset with day, but I, I don't think any more so than, you know, maybe a, 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 a like a Dabo Clemson fans being a little frustrated with Dabo right now. Uh, I, I think that's, now, keep in mind, Ryan Day has not won a national championship, but um, I, I just I, I think if this if they lose to Michigan again next year, and Harbaugh all of a sudden starts owning them and owning him, uh, it may be a different story. So uh, I think uh, I think that was uh, you know when you look at it like that, you know I, I don't think it's the beginning of the end for him. I yeah, I've I've heard this in a few places. I, I think it's insanely premature to start lowering that kind of boom on Ryan day. Like you lost two in a row. It stings. I get it. It hurts. I get it. Michigan is trying to win this thing too. Michigan has resources as well. And they did not listen to a lot of people out there, including I'm sure a portion of their fan base that was just tired of Jim Harbaugh, who doesn't do himself any favors with his personality sometimes, Mm -hmm. nor flirting uh, with NFL jobs (laughs) before signing day. But um, no, I, I I can't I can't get behind a Ryan Day is on the hot seat. Now, do you lose three in a row? Yeah, sure. It, 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 things start getting turned up there. But outside of losing two in a row to a a team that's going to make the playoff two years in a row, if that's their only sin, I mean, my goodness, I realize it's okay to have high expectations, but be careful what you wish for. You could wind up making a move there. Urban Meyer's not walking back through that door. Uh, you could do worse than Ryan Day. It is possible. So I, 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 I can't, I can't. I'm not there yet. I, I'm just, I'm not there yet. Um, the bigger surprise that or the A and M win. I don't know. That I was all that surprised or, or shocked. I mean, I, I kind of felt like A and M had mailed it in. So maybe I was surprised by their effort. But yeah, I, I thought they matched up pretty well with LSU. I, I did too. I think where the surprise comes in there is that you're looking at one team that clearly seemed like they wanted the season to end. Like A and M looked like a team that was ready to end. Talent or not, five star guys or not, um, LSU had everything to play for. And didn't win the game. That's where the surprise Ooh, is from. Yeah. But the but but the bigger surprise for me, I'm with you. It's not just that Michigan won; they manhandled Ohio State. If you watch the second half of that game, to go back to coaching for a moment, they didn't get out schemed by Michigan. Michigan doesn't run. I realize they have a more dynamic quarterback than ever. Again, there I am. I just used that that buzzword. Dynamic. A dynamic. Uh, I, I need to take a shot. Of something, preferably <laughs> bourbon, um, but but they they didn't they didn't run this elaborate offense. They didn't even have Blake Corum, who we've talked about before, was going to be on my Heisman ballot. Still might, I don't know. Um, they just got manhandled on the line of scrimmage, and that's that's what Jim Harbaugh has taught and stressed. And when he finally gets his kind of guys in there, that's the kind of football they play. And Ohio State, I'm sure, knew a lot of what was coming. And they still couldn't stop it. So I, for me, the answer to that question would be 
the margin of victory, you didn't just lose at home. You got worked. You got mm-hmm. worked by Michigan uh, in that huge rivalry game. Uh, number two for Mr. Haney, is the college football playoff set or will we see a change? In other words, are we going to have an upset? Mm. Is TCU going to lose to Kansas State? And if so, I think they're out. Some people think they're still in. Uh, is Southern Cal going to lose to Utah? And Ohio State is obviously – they put Ohio State in the five hole, which I thought they would. Uh, I could make an argument that Alabama is a better football team right now. No one's going to want to hear that. And they got two losses, and that's the end of that. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Ohio State's playing like one of the top four teams in the in the country. So they can go through the back door, and there's two – if, if you go by Vegas, two games that could very easily turn into an upset and, and pave the way for an Ohio State appearance. I am going to hang on to TCU wins and Southern Cal wins, and we are looking at the four that are in. I'm predicting at least one upset. I, I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, and I've been I've been kind of singing Kansas State's praises all year. I I don't know what happened to them against Texas. I guess Texas decided to show up. Um, you know, <laughs> which is kind of usually if Texas shows up, you're in for a fight. If they don't like they normally don't, you know, you're not. Uh, and uh, that's a good football team. And they, they kind of had TCU on the ropes. They're not going to be uh, afraid, I guess. Um, and, and then Utah, I mean, like logic says, OK, Southern Cal's lost one game this year. Right. Logic says it was and it was against Utah. So, so it says, well. No way Utah could beat him twice. But I'll remind everybody, last year, if I'm not mistaken, Utah beat Oregon twice, including they beat him worse the second time mm-hmm. in the championship game. I, I think I'm correct in saying that. So uh, don't underestimate the Utes, man. I mean, they if it hadn't been for that loss to Florida at the beginning of the year, we may be talking about them potentially. Yeah, I love their coach. I love their quarterback. That's a pretty good combination. Um, they're always a physical team. Yeah, that's not a that's not a slam dunk game at all. Yeah. Um, that that's not that's not like what we're gonna see in the Big Ten, for example, with that championship. I don't think other Purdue has a chance in hell. Yeah. Uh, but Utah, if they did win, it wouldn't be shocking. And Kansas State, to your point, Kansas State led TCU by 18 points mm-hmm. in their regular season meeting. So I don't think anybody would be completely shocked. Uh they're extremely well coached, they're a great story. Uh, life has been good in the little apple this year, mm-hmm. but, um, we'll see, we'll see. It gives us something to, uh, to look forward to. Yeah. And, and the question becomes if, if there's two upsets, does Alabama get in? That's uh, and, that, and that, I would, again, I'm, I know I'm in the minority. I would say, yes, I'm sorry. I, I too. Like I get it. Here, here's the thing. I understand head to head is very important, but a couple things on that. It was head to head. It was in Knoxville. We all acknowledge that is the best crowd for a Tennessee football game in a long, long time. It's true home field advantage. Alabama loses on a last-second field goal attempt in a high-scoring game of the ages. There are other losses to LSU, a team that's going to be playing in the SEC championship game. That comes on a two-point conversion to overtime. So they lost two games by a combined four points. Tennessee right now is not the same team. Tennessee didn't just lose to South Carolina. They got steamrolled. They got steamrolled. And so I for me, if you're if you're gonna tell me Alabama, Tennessee on a neutral field, I'm taking Alabama. I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. And so 
not to mention the Hendon Hooker factor, which they look at just like they do in a college basketball tournament. When it, when March Madness comes along, and you're a team that's got your leading scorer just tore up his ACL, guess what? Your seating is is knocked down because mm. they forecast. So that was an extra reason, excuse if you didn't want. And I, I don't think Boo does himself any favors when he gets in front of a microphone. Oh, it's uh, one of the worst ever. I think that, that's a, that's a tough listen. He, he could have just bailed. He could have just taken the easy way out and say, well, without Hendon Hooker, they're not the same team. He he went all in on what I just talked about. And I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying that's a good way to to uh, upset not only Vols Nation, but all the people that just are sick and tired. We used to call it Alabama fatigue, right? Nick Saban mm-hmm. fatigue. But I think Alabama's a better football team right now than Tennessee is. I just I just do. But I don't think there's going to be two upsets. I, don't, I think it's a moot point. But, yes, if there were two, I think – Ohio State and Alabama get in. I mean, how are the other teams going to leapfrog? How are seven and eight when they're not playing going to leapfrog six? Boy, it, it's going to be tough, a tough pill to swallow for Georgia fans too. Check this out. If they if 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 the two upsets take place, let's say Mike, and so Georgia and Michigan to be one and two, and then Ohio State. Now the, they'd add. I think they'd add. I, so, so this is going to create something interesting because would would Georgia because Bama with two losses would be the four seed, so it would be Georgia Bama in one semi, and Michigan Ohio State in the yeah. other, <laughs> which is oh. boy you want to talk about <laughs> something that's you know and you're like ratings oh, yeah that's it's ratings. ratings crazy but you're Georgia and you're like. So we have to play Alabama. In, in, yeah, in, Georgia in, didn't want that. We, we thought we were wanting to play. We thought we were going to play, you know, TCU or even SC. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think Georgia wow. wants that. I, I'm not sure Georgia wants USC either. I mean, uh, Southern Cal, again, if if they continue to ride this wave of momentum and everything is clicking, that could be a very intriguing matchup. That could be that could be a lot of fun. That could, That would not be your typical 1-4, which as we've – pointed out the one four games have been brutal i mean they've been just flat out dogs mm-hmm. this year if it is georgia southern cal if it is georgia ohio state if it is georgia alabama oh man, man semi-final saturday yeah final saturday is gonna oh. be lit dude i'm in on all of those bad it boys lit. and i think it is it's new year's eve because new year's day is on a sunday so yes yeah, it's, it's it's the 31st this year so that would I know if uh, I'll probably be 99% sure I'll be in Florida uh, over New Year's Eve. So I'll I'll make my way to a Hooters. There you go. Well, the Hooters in Florida are just better. I I don't know. I don't know what it is about Hooters in Florida (laughs) versus other states, but they're just better. Um, And uh, belly up and chicken wing feast and and semifinals, man. That's going to be – it's going to be lit. By the way, there is a – if you – if you – Spend a time in Florida, like around the Tampa area. Mm-hmm. There is a knockoff of Hooters. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like there is a, it, it is a classic case of coming to America with McDowell's versus uh, McDonald's. You're kidding. We got the Big Mick. They got the Big Mac. <laughs> we got the Golden Arch. They got the Golden Arches. I, I can't remember the name of this thing. I've actually eaten at one though. And I, a friend of mine took me there, and I'm like, this is a lot like Hooters. Like, yeah, there's been a lawsuit and everything. I mean, it's the exact same restaurant, but it's called 
Oh, that's going to kill me. It's called something else, but it's not who it's like roosters or something. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to laugh, just go in there. Uh, I'm, I'm and, going. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. I, I, I thought, is this not Hooters? No, but we have the same menu, the same outfits, the same everything. Um, okay. All right. Number three, best hire of the currently filled job. So let's go on a review here. Mm-hmm. You freeze Auburn, Luke Fickle, Wisconsin, Matt Rule, Nebraska, Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State, Brent Key, Georgia Tech. Now, there was a lot of talk here in Atlanta about Will Fritz mm-hmm. getting that job of Tulane. And it was going to be met with a lot of criticism because Brent Key can walk on water right now in this town. The Georgia Tech fans are all in on him with his ties to the school and the job, the terrific job that he's done. Yeah, he earned it. Uh, and then you've got what uh, Trent Dilfer at UAB, which is what I'm sure I'm missing one or two. You you still have uh, USF. You still have. Colorado, Colorado, which I, Deion Sanders will get one of those two, in my opinion. And I think we'll know on Monday about that. And you think he'll definitely take one of those. I, my, that's my belief based on a contact that I had a conversation with last night. I tell you, I've been to Boulder. I would love to see Deion Sanders <laughs> in Boulder, Colorado. It's a little, it's a little bit different, right? <laughs> it's a little bit different than what he's used to. I've been there too. It's, and and the, <laughs> It's a great town, and they Beautiful. they have yeah. been a classic underachiever. Um, you know, another uh, alum and Eric Bieniemy has basically turned that job down multiple times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it'd be great. I never bought into Dion to Auburn, uh, and I know a lot of people were rooting for that and and telling you all the reasons. First, they were rooting for that. Then they were trying to tell you that they should hire Cadillac Williams. Uh, come on, people. <laughs> Like the kind of like Williams the last few weeks was a great story. It was a lot of fun. It was like watching a, like I said, like a, like a reality show, like a Friday night lights within, within the game, but you're an established SEC program. You, you, you don't hire a guy who was just the assistant coach at IMG Academy a couple of years back. Uh, but you do keep him on staff and you do keep him happy and they're doing that. And so I think that is certainly smart. Um, so best hire look, I think the safest hire, and this this might surprise some people. I think the safest hire is Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people want to just trash Matt Rule. It did not work out with the Carolina Panthers. Okay, a lot of things haven't worked out with the Carolina Panthers for the last decade. Matt Rule was a hell of a college coach at two different places. Uh, he has proven he can coach in different parts of the country. He's proven he can take over a mess like he did at Baylor and turn it around quickly. Uh, and and to say he's motivated would be an understatement because he doesn't need this job. He could just sit back on that humongous buyout and not coach right now and just count money. I think I think that was, uh, for me, the best. And then I will say Hugh Freeze is right there because say what you want about old Hugh. Hugh can coach ball. He can call plays. And I I think this is the guy that I thought was going to get the job all along. I didn't, I didn't buy Lane was going to leave Oxford path of least, least resistance. Uh, Lane is just getting raise after raise after raise. He's up to 9 million. They go eight and four. He's a rock star in Oxford. You go eight and four in Auburn. You're on the hot seat. So, I mean, that, that, that to me was the difference, but I would go 
I would go rule one. I would go freeze two. Oh, you know, shoot, I'm forgetting Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Yeah. Gosh, that's a great hire, too. I mean, I, I for those particular schools, I, I love all three of those hires. What's not to love? And Luke Fickle, you know, Wisconsin for years has, has had kind of a formula for success. Uh, it started with the Godfather. Uh, my Wisconsin friends, friends call him the Godfather, Barry Alvarez. Uh, and very rarely have they, they kind of gone outside the family. Gary Anderson was there for a couple of years, uh, kind of an outsider. And he left, you know, and went to back, went to Oregon State and subsequently lost his marbles a little bit, you know, there for a while. But uh, Luke Fickle is a guy that I think, you know, we all were sitting there thinking, Notre Dame. I mean, I thought Notre Fickle to Notre Dame last year was a layup. They went with Marvin Freeman, who ironically worked for Luke Fickle. Uh, I think every time Michigan sort of the people talk about Harbaugh going back to the NFL, uh, his name was in the mix, and certainly uh, Ryan Day, who has NFL connections, and and you know they were talking about him going to the Bears or Packers a while back. You know, uh, Fickle's a shoe in. In Columbus, I mean, because he was the interim before they had Urban and is a beloved native son of Ohio. The Wisconsin job, because they win and because of their fan support and because of their tradition and all that, if you do it right and you follow the formula uh, and, and you play physical football and 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 you maybe can you maybe recruit just a little little better than Paul Christ, get some more speed. Uh, in that division, Mike, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan, you kind of hate that Wisconsin hired Luke Fickle because you got a hell of a coach yourself. You're like, well, we're on our way back, you know? And mm-hmm. now it's like, ah, oh, Fickle's in the division. <laughs> Poo, you know? <laughs> uh, and you got my boy Belima, you know, over in mm-hmm. Illinois. So, um, but I, I, I thought that was a tremendous hire. I, I really did. Um, and you can't go wrong with any of those three, uh, because I, because I sat here and said at the beginning, with Auburn, you know, Kiffin or Freeze, one of those two, don't even talk about anybody else just because, I mean, it, it, Hugh Freeze is perfect for Auburn. I mean, he he's uh, he, he, he comes with a little bit of a past, right? But you're talking about the school that hired Bruce Pearl. <laughs> I mean, you know. He took him to a Final Four. Took him to a Final Four. You know, they are so hungry for success. Uh, and, and he checked a big box and then he gave Alabama fits when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, after two years of what I considered extremely boring football, boring recruiting, I mean, I thought of my Auburn friends, Mike. They just didn't even they didn't even enjoy enjoy game days because it yeah. was just like, Ugh. and Cadillac got them re excited, and now they're ready to go all in with Hugh Free. So I think uh, I think if I had to rank one, uh, it would probably be Freeze followed really minutely close but fickle, and then it, of course Matt Rule. You know, if, if you're in Nebraska, Scott Frost didn't work out. Obviously, you need a guy that's got a track record of turning things around. And and, yeah. and you know, the Temple job, a lot, lots of lots of lots of coaches have won at Temple and did not do well later. Uh, the Temple job, uh, I thought Rule was probably the best coach they'd had. Uh, but when they went to Baylor and turned that thing as quick as they did, Mike, I mean, you, mm-hmm. I, I was like, it'll be years before Baylor wins. One year of two and ten, then I think he got to a bowl his second year, and the third year they're playing for the Big Twelve title. Right. I mean, and and it's Baylor who, you know, with the exception of Art Browse, it's not like Baylor has this big track record of winning. Uh, and he really set up, I think, set up Dave Aranda to have the success they're having now. So uh, that was impressive to me. Um, you know, 
surrounded by a lot of Panther fans, actually, obviously working in the South Carolina market. They can, they don't like him. Uh, they also don't like his offensive coordinator who just left South Carolina. And I, and I think, I think that's good for South Carolina, uh, to be honest. Uh, and Marcus Satterfield, he's going out there. So there's a lot of angst and consternation in the Carolinas about Matt Rule. Uh, you know, but look, as we've all found out through the years, it matters no, for a good college coach or a great college coach. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do in the NFL. You're going to come back and most likely win and pick up right where you left off. It's happened with everybody else that's gone to that league and then had to had their hats handed to them and come back and take it another college job. Mm-hmm. They've all turned it around and won. With the exception of Herm Edwards. Well, they said, well, yeah. <laughs> Herm, Herm. You play Herm. to – uh, to give a good press conference, well, you play um, to get to the, uh, the 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 holiday bowl. Yeah, you you play to have the NCAA scouring your campus, lose uh, games, get fired, and almost get your AD fired. Um, now you're right. I mean, Saban, boy, it didn't work out in Miami. Spurrier, boy, it didn't work out in Washington. Jimmy Johnson, uh, that's the one that won. <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, that is that is the one that won. Although he didn't work out it with the Dolphins, had he gone back to college after the Dolphins, I'm oh, convinced God. he would have won a national title again in college. Sure, yeah, like yeah, no doubt. You know, like, so but but yeah, I but, mean, but, but Butch Davis with the Browns comes back and really North Carolina. Uh, I mean, no offense to what Mac Brown's doing there; they're playing for a conference title. But what he was doing at North Carolina at the time was scary. Because yeah. he he was signing top ten classes, they were physical. They were They just got derailed by the NCAA scandal, right? John Blake and all that. But uh, yeah, so he was successful. I, you know, Bobby Petrino came back uh, from the mm-hmm. Falcons and and was probably had the best run at Arkansas of anybody. Yeah, you know, um, it, Lou Holtz back in the day, once upon a time, was the coach of the Jets for a year. Uh, came back and actually also took Arkansas uh, and won. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I just, it does not matter what you do in the pros, uh, in my opinion, as a head coach. Uh, if you've already been successful in college, you can always come back and pick up where you left off. Yeah. I actually think it, it enhances your profile. Uh, and you can, you can tell recruits I've, I've been to the NFL. So I know what it's like. Maybe I didn't win a ton of games there, but I know I've been to where you dream of going and I'm going to help you get there. I think, mm-hmm. uh, that's what coach Cal has, has sold a lot, um, at Kentucky basketball after, after coaching the net. So uh, I, I think those top three hires are terrific. I mean, honestly, I don't think you could have done much better if you're, uh, if you're Auburn, Wisconsin and, and Nebraska, it doesn't mean they're all going to work out. I mean, we might be sitting here three years from now talking about when I'm getting fired, the way things go, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mentioned this, um, what's happening now where you see a guy like, Lincoln Riley year one takes Southern Cal out of the ashes and into a playoff in all likelihood. When you see coach Dykes doing what he's doing at TCU in his first year, what this is doing is it is making athletic directors across the country more impatient than ever because they see stuff like that. And their fans say, well, wait a minute. See, all we got to do is fire our coach and hire this guy. And look what happens. That is the exception to the rule, but you can't always explain that to people. Mm-hmm. That is the exception of the rule. And look, Lincoln Riley had some help. He brought in 26 portal players, including a first-round quarterback who might win the Heisman, the top wide receiver in college football. Like you, you can't most 
co- most programs you can't just do that, mm. but th- they were able to do it at Southern Cal. Um, number four, most underrated of the current openings. So what uh, do we have? Colorado. We just talked about this. Colorado, USF. Yeah, uh, they're both open. Um, has anybody else gotten fired? Not, not as of today. I've been checking um, my timeline yeah. here. Um, well, between those two, uh, I think Colorado because they were national powers once. Um, and as time goes by, I mean, I think, gosh, they've, they, since they've been to the Pac-12, they've gotten even worse. They they used to kind of win that, uh, the Big 12 North. Uh, it was kind of them in Nebraska when uh, they were in the Big 12. Um, sometimes Missouri, but uh, they, sometimes Kansas State, but they, um, they've had been to one championship game. I think it was in 2016 under uh, Mike, Mike, Mike McIntyre who got fired, um, and it's been mismanaged. Uh, I think the Pac-12 move took them even further off the radar a bit. Um, but – and I would not consider them a volcano program. I, I think they were no. uh, trying to recap – they're a – we tried to recapture the glory years program. Uh, but I, I do think there's something to be said for their tradition. I think there's something to be said for selling – Boulder in the greater Denver area. There's enough talent if you keep it in state. It's a lot like Arkansas talent-wise in terms of, you know, there's about eight to ten a year in Colorado you can go get. Um, and, and whoever gets that job, if it is Deion Sanders, this is why if, I, if I'm Deion, I'd take it. Uh, but I think Deion personally has a, you know, with that USF, that's a that's home. He's from Fort Myers. But, uh, you know, I, I think you need to recruit and have a plan. Uh, well, how Bill McCartney won there and Gary Barnett won there is they were in the Big 12. They would go into L.A. and the California cities and, and, and talent pockets, Mike, and pull just a bunch of kids, selling them on going and playing Oklahoma and Nebraska every year. And then when the Big 12 came along, Texas and Texas A&M, something different than the Pac-12. Now that they're in the Pac-12, you know, it's a harder sell because it's like, well, why would I go there? Would I, if I want to go out of state, why wouldn't I just go to Arizona State where, you know, it's like a resort, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they need a plan. And I think the plan there probably needs to be, you know, they probably need to be a portal school that hits the portal pretty hard. Uh, and, you know, we, we all forget Mel Tucker was there for a year without the portal. Um, and I think they need to go try to, to recruit nationally. And so if they do hire Deion Sanders, that's a guy that can get in a jet and walk into any high school in the country uh, and try to sell it. Um, and I, I've been impressed with his staff that he hired at Jackson State. He's got good coaches around him. Uh, that could be the key because, you know, you can hire, you can have all the good coaching you want. You know, I don't, I thought Mike McIntyre was an excellent coach, but if you don't have players, I mean, you're, you're not going to win uh, at the level that people expect. So uh, I think that's an underrated job for the right person with the right recruiting plan. Uh, USF would once would have probably been a shoe in for that. But uh, the more I think about that job, the more I think there's pro- in Tampa, there's just some unrealistic expectations. Uh, and, and look, Jeff Scott didn't win, but one FBS game <laughs> there. So you probably had to fire him. Right. But I, I think that their constant demand for turnover uh, and change and, and, and blow it up and start all over again, you know, plus the challenges of that program, uh, playing in a pro stadium, all that good stuff. Uh, yes, they're in Tampa, but you know, I, I think it, I think that job is a lot tougher gig 
than maybe the one Skip Holtz or, or Willie Taggart took once upon a time. I'm, I'm going to be real quiet because apparently I, uh, <laughs> I felt the wrath of Bulls Nation when I started comparing UCF and USF and how that whole thing, that the, the script got flipped, flipped because at one point USF was clearly ahead of UCF and uh, UC, USF had it rolling under Coach Levitt. And I mean, they very similar programs in terms of major cities, uh, major selling points, recruiting, fertile ground, et cetera, et cetera. But UCF has clearly uh, distanced themselves and they're moving to the Big 12, which is which is huge. Um, one other. I noticed today West Virginia is hiring. They have hired their new athletic director. Oh. So if you're Neil Brown. And you're 22 and 25, maybe that job comes open. It'd be, that'd be a, that's a great, that's a really good, you know, West Virginia is like top 25 all time wins. Um, man, it's, I don't a, it's a great, it's a great tradition rich program. I will say this being in the it Big has never all. felt right in the Big 12. Well, yeah, and I blame the arrogance of the ACC for that. And I couldn't believe like the news that came out. Like, well, we thought we'd add West Virginia. We, we, the, you know what? They didn't add West. They added Boston College instead of because they because they, they they're trying to put together the Ivy League. They're academics. Or I mean, look, uh, are you? You're, why are you insulting everybody with a degree from that school? Yes, I know they burn couches sometimes up there. It's a little weird, but uh, look, it's a great. It, it adds to your football footprint, which is something you desperately need. So I blame the ACC for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and and bringing UCF and Cincinnati into the Big Twelve is probably going to give them, you know, at least Cincinnati in that case, it's very close. Uh, so at least some some place they can drive to, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's never felt right. Uh, gosh, to to top off a wonderful college football season, wouldn't it be kind of crazy if Nick Saban resigned and took that job and said, "I'm going to go home and and rebuild West Virginia uh, <laughs> as my last happening. as my last hurrah, boy." That would. Oh man, that would that would uh, that would that would do it because you know he, he grew up what twenty minutes. Uh, oh yeah, the, no, he's West Virginia uh, thick and yeah. I, thick I, and thin. I I will say this in in twenty twenty six or seven, Alabama's scheduled to open up up there, uh, and and I think and I people people talk all the time about when he's going to retire. Yeah, he's nowhere close, but uh, by then you know that last season coaching that what that, that last season as Bama's coach uh, back home. In the opener, that that's got to be special for him, uh, and I think uh, I think of that. I, I think you know if if he were and he's not hanging on, but if he were kind of my theory has always been he's kind of looking toward that season, you know, in in that game uh, because it, it will be a special moment. But uh, yeah, I, I, West Virginia that that would be an interesting interesting hire to see what direction they go if they get. Have, rid of I have bro. I have no idea where they'd be looking. Um, I don't know much about the new AD that that's, that's just breaking today as we record this uh, here on a Wednesday. The final question on the hot handy five, before we move on to some other things, a favorite moment of the 2022 season. Well, I, when I think of favorite moments, I try to think of best games. When I think of best games, you know, one we referenced earlier, the Alabama Tennessee game was just electric. You know, th that, CBS was uh, was on point, and they had a, a terrific broadcast, and the crowd was sensational, and it was 
you know, it was almost like the coronation of, hey, Tennessee football is back. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fans taking the goalpost out near Calhoun's over there on the river, like, like all that stuff was fantastic. Um, but then <laughs> there's a, a lot of Gamecock fans listening. They would think, well, the the reverse is true. Their win over Tennessee was the beginning of the Shane Beamer and Gamecock program ascension to another level. It carried the momentum a couple weeks later into the victory. Uh, is it a couple weeks later or one week later? One week. Uh, one week later, I'm sorry. Um, uh, over Clemson, uh, which is, which is again, huge, uh, in, in, in so many ways. And you and I had Shane Beamer on this podcast. So forgive me if we're a little bit biased in one respect, I've, I've known Shane for a long time. You've know Shane. I I'm a Shane Beamer fan. I have a lot of respect for him and I'm happy for him on a personal level. Uh, and, and to see things are about to get really interesting in the sec. I mean, even before Texas and Oklahoma get there, because if Tennessee and South Carolina at the same time are able to really cash in on these seasons, these memorable seasons, I know Tennessee's didn't end the way you wanted it to, but still a damn good year. And that program is clearly headed in the right direction. And then if Florida can get there, you know what together combined with Georgia, which is an absolute dynamo. Uh, Kentucky had an off year, but they'll be back with Mark Stoops is not going anywhere, anywhere. They locked him up. Kentucky's on, on solid ground. Give, give, uh, Vanderbilt credit. They flirted with a bowl game. They pulled off some upsets. Uh, they had respectable wins this year. They finished five and seven and then Missouri there. They had to win that last game against Arkansas to get to a bowl game. My point is for the longest time, I've been saying what, what in the world happened where the East became the JV of the SEC. I think that's changing. I'm not saying the West is going down. I'm saying the S the East is going up and that makes for a much healthier SEC. Now I get it. We're going to get rid of divisions here soon. <laughs> yeah. Right? They'll be gone here in a second. And they'll be gone here anyway, but I'm just saying it. Those programs that have been designated Eastern division programs, a lot of them that have been in the term that we use a lot on this podcast, the abyss, uh, they're breaking out of it. They're breaking out of it in a big way. So I think that's a, uh, that's a that's a feather in the cap for the league as a whole, which is already the most competitive, and it's going to be that much more competitive uh, with that. I guess that would segue nicely into the SEC roundup. Uh, I think we've covered most of the key games. I mean, the the Gamecock win over Clemson, humongous. Mm-hmm. The Florida win over uh, loss to Florida State. I don't want to say expected, but uh, not surprising. Yeah, big for the Knowles. Great game, though. Big well, for- yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people, you know, then there was some politics there. People wanted to force Norvell out and, and get Dion in there. Um, <laughs> but Norvell's done good work there. I mean, they're, they're starting to look respectable again. And, and you know, I, I think that he's he's had to battle a lot of garbage from outside noise in Tallahassee. And I think he's handled it as well as you can possibly handle it. Uh, Georgia blows out Georgia Tech. That happens every year. Kentucky wins against Louisville when everybody was down on Kentucky. I I, I can tell you uh, the the people that that is no small thing for the people in the Commonwealth. Uh, it would have been it would have been a final kick in the gut to lose that game mm-hmm. after a disappointing season in Lexington, but they didn't. They won it. Yeah. it gives you a nice yeah. taste in your mouth at the end of the year. In Kentucky, in Mark Stoops, Kentucky fashion, they just kind of smothered them to death. And uh, mm-hmm. by the way, Mark Stoops fired his offensive coordinator. Yeah, 
weird. I mean, three months ago, I was interviewing Scangarello and talking about his move from the NFL. And I look, that's what's the difference between Cohen and Scangarello? Cohen had three NFL offensive linemen that blocked for an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver in Wondell Robinson, who before he tore up his knee was playing really well with the New York Giants. Scangarello didn't have any of those things. I, I'm just saying. Eh. I, 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 I think Stoops made a mistake with both, to be honest. I, I think we'd be sitting here talking about him firing Liam Cohen because uh, he mentioned it in his press conference and uh, sort of the same thing happened at South Carolina until the last two games of the season where, you know, some of these guys that coach in that league, it's a different, it's the same sport, Mike, but it's a different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to someone that, that knows Bill O'Brien at Alabama, just kind of picking his brain on the subject. Uh, O'Brien laughed, you know, do you run the same stuff you ran with the Texans? <laughs> no, they, these, mm-hmm. kids, these kids can't learn it. So yeah, um, I think Stoops was on to something. And, and I think for football coaches, you're like, you look at all that stuff that comes from the league and get excited. I mean, these guys, most of them just sit around and care, you know, think about ball all day, you know. And so I understand why these hires are made. But uh, uh, I think it's a cautionary tale uh, mm-hmm. up in Lexington. And I'll tell you this, this next hire he makes for OC, I expect Mark Stoops to sort of – it probably won't be a guy we all look at and go, wow, you know. But but I think he'll knock it out of the park. He, he's too smart of a football coach and, and, and too much of a – he's been there for too long to know what kind of players he can get, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think, quite frankly, there's brighter days ahead in Lexington, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to lose Levis. They're going to have to find out who their next yeah. guy is. I bet um, they hit the portal for a quarterback. To, I wouldn't be, be surprised because I, yeah. I didn't see anybody. Mm, that, 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 yeah. The kid behind other, him needs, probably needs another year, I think. Yeah, a little more seasoning, a little more seasoning. Um, the Iron Bowl, you know, we – Michael asked, "What what game are you looking forward to besides the obvious Michigan Ohio State?" I, I'm never disappointed by the Iron Bowl. I always love watching the Iron Bowl. Uh, it was still entertaining to me. Uh, you had the Carnell Williams storyline going in, uh, and Alabama just reminded everybody that when they want to, they're still pretty damn good, and they, they they pretty much cooked them. I mean, I know that the score was it wasn't a complete blowout, but Alabama was just a uh, uh, clearly a better team in that ball game. A friend of mine whose daughter is, uh, excuse me, whose son, his daughter's already going to uh, Missouri. His son is considering, he's debating between Alabama and Ole Miss. And <laughs> he took him to the Iron Bowl. Actually, he took him to the Egg Bowl on Thursday night and the Iron Bowl huh. on Saturday. That's good parenting. That's neat, yeah. And th- this kid, I mean, you know, 17 years old, you get to experience that in one week? My goodness, but after experiencing those two, advantage could be Alabama. That's mm. it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to top with the uh, environment at, at Brian Denny Stadium for uh, for an Iron Bowl. Uh, we mentioned Missouri. That's a big win for them, knocking off Arkansas. There's a lot of different stories coming out of Fayetteville. I don't understand mm, ascension. Yeah. Like, what do you know more about that kind of? I, I've, I've been checking into it because of apparently their their OC Kendall Browles, uh, I, I, I think if he doesn't get a head coaching job, there's a chance he may be at a different SEC program uh, next year calling plays. There, there's some tension there. Now they've had a lot of guys hit the transfer portal, but they're not not a lot of guys that played a whole lot, with the exception of Miles Slusher, who I think they're just very happy he's moving on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's surprising, but 
you know, I, I think they had such high hopes and they, they suffered for so long. And the pit boss was just such a great story. Uh, I, I think a lot of Arkansas people, maybe the players too, lost track of the fact, hey, guess what? Uh, you're in the SEC West, uh, you know, and, and and somebody needs to be fired. They need to fire whoever made their non-conference schedule. And uh, why would you put Liberty and BYU on the schedule and, and Cincinnati all in the same year? Mm-hmm. I mean, why? Uh, and, and what that does, it, you, people say, well, JC, they went three and one non-conference. Yeah. But what that does is every week your kids have to get up. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have a game where you can just kind of go out and, and bench, you know, and everybody uh, you know, put the bench guys in and, and roll. You've got to get – and it's a grind. And then K.J. Jefferson, who was the focal point of their offense, gets hurt. They they could never decide on what, what they wanted to do backup-wise because Hornsby can't throw, and then Cade Fortin was very limited. Um, and and I, just, I just think there's been a lot of sheer disappointment, but that's not necessarily – the fault of the players or the pit balls. I, I, or Sam Pittman's the pit balls, by the way. Uh, and, and it's just a shame. I, I will say this too. Sometimes you, you live by the portal and die by the portal. And, and they, they brought a lot of transfers in. Uh, and they brought guys in, Mike, that, that a, a lot of them had underachieved at other schools. Uh, you know, and, and some of them played really, really well for Arkansas, like Drew Sanders uh in and and has Hazelwood and they're both going pro uh but then some some did not and they they they, they kind of just drug the mediocrity out of other players uh <laughs> and and I, and, I, and I think I think I think when you work the portal you you got to maybe you you're going to take some chances because there's you know reasons guys are unhappy at other places but you know I, I think when you work the portal uh, as we learn more about it it's a it's another cautionary tale you know yeah, you bring some guys in. They're happy when they're winning, uh, but they can get disgruntled really quick. So uh, I'm not sure what's going on there either. Uh, disappointing game against Missouri. I, I thought they were the better football team. Uh, but when Eli Drinkwitz has a trophy at stake, uh, he gets fired <laughs> up and wins. I mean, he beat South Carolina this year as a trophy in that game too. Uh, and he mentioned it in his press conference. He said, there's a trophy and I want it. And I was like, okay. Um you know that had to be very disappointing for the Hogs, and 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 I think there's going to be some changes in Fayetteville, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, that will better suit Sam Pittman and uh, and the kind of the vision he has for that program. Be interesting to see Ole Miss is another program that hit the portal big, and obviously it helped them overall this yeah, year. But they you, were you good. Just, yeah. That yeah, I mean they're not they don't win as many games as they did without the portal. I mentioned Southern Cal earlier, but. Like you said, sometimes you roll the dice in the portal. They're in the portal for a reason sometimes, and it's not all good. By the way, that knockoff restaurant in Florida, the Hooters knock, it's called Wing House. Wing House. <laughs> wing House. <laughs> yeah. it's, no, it's no Wing Ranch, my man. But There's it's no a, Wing Ranch here. It's in wing, wing House. That's Atlanta. right. That's right. And it's uh, every bit as average as Hooters. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, deep dive. I wanted to do a deep dive real quick on Jonathan Smith. In, in a lot of ways, his story is as uh, vanilla as his name, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Jonathan Smith has done a terrific job at Oregon State this year. Uh, again, another win against Oregon, a a, a season that uh, is going to be memorable, 9-3. and three. Overall, for Oregon State, we'll see what bowl game they go to. So who exactly is 
Jonathan Smith, the man with the very generic first and last name. He's born in Pasadena. He uh, played at at Oregon State. He was originally a walk-on under head coach Mike Riley. Says he's a walk-on. He goes there. Four-year starter for the Beavers. Four-year starter, taking over as a redshirt freshman in 1998, maintaining the job all the way through his senior year in 2001. Part of that was under Dennis Erickson. They had an 11-1 and season under Dennis Erickson. Uh, he played with, among other people, Chad Johnson, Hushmanzada. So he played with two NFL wide receivers. Uh, Smith was the MVP of the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, they beat he, Notre Dame 41-9. to Right. Like, I remember that game, but I don't remember him. I, I, rem, I, I, rem, I remember watching him play. I, I, if you asked me, like, who was that quarterback, I wouldn't have said Jonathan Smith. Me neither. I remember they had a little guy that he kind of reminded me of uh, – whoever that that was kind of a smaller gunslinger type quarterback at Ohio state for a while. They kind of reminded me of each other at the time, but that was, man, that was 1998. I was in college. I was like, you know, or 2000, I was in college. I, I just, you know, I do remember Dennis Erickson going 11 and one though. Well, give him credit. Now it, di- it didn't happen overnight. He takes over, starts off two and 10, then five and seven, then two and five in the COVID year. And I'm sure there was people on Oregon state message board saying, fire him. And then last year he goes seven and six. They go to a bowl game, and then uh, this year nine and three, and they win the Civil War again. So uh, Jonathan Smith making some noise uh, in terms of under the radar. This was uh, after Shane Beamer pulled off what he did, and and you mentioned you rattled off some numbers to me before we we signed on. How many was it? Five, five top whatever wins what was that number you gave me there was a number of uh, okay ones. yeah shane beamer's got 15 wins in two in 25 games at south carolina by the way if he wins the bowl he will be have the most wins in the first two years in the history of the program um but five of those mike have come when the gamecocks have been uh un- double digit underdogs and 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 wow. and some of these spreads mike like okay so florida last year Gamecocks, Gamecocks were 20 and a half point underdogs on their home field. They won by 23. <laughs> uh, against Auburn last year at home, 12 and a half point underdogs on their home field. They won by four. In the bowl game against North Carolina, 12 and a half point underdogs on a neutral field. They won by 17. Uh, this year, Tennessee, 22 and a half point underdogs. They won mm. by 25. Uh, and then Clemson this year, 14 and a half point underdogs. They won by a point on the road. Uh, that's five of his 15 wins. Uh, okay. In Kentucky this year, uh, the, the line shrunk to about four and a half, uh, but it opened at 11 when they thought Levis was going to play. Um, and, and so if you wanted to fudge it a little bit and say, well, opening lines, that's six wins when the lines opened as a double-digit underdog wow. um, in 15 games. And like I said, you're not just talking about like 10 and a half, 11. I mean, you're talking about 22 and a half, 20 and a half. I mean – some massive point spreads and, and there's a reason for those, but uh, you know, so, so don't, don't count him out. I mean, I think that's the point here is like, you know, and he's lost some ugly games. Don't get me wrong, but don't, don't count Shane Beamer out when it comes uh, to oh, pulling off a surprise. I don't think anybody's going to do that anymore. I, I, I <laughs> Shane Beamer now, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a national spotlight two weeks of results. No, no doubt. It probably, that that's a better two weeks than Spurrier had. At South right. Carolina, uh, right? You know. Because yeah, because Steve Steve did a great job of winning close games against good, not always great teams, 
Yeah. And qu- quite honestly, we've talked about this. The SEC East was pretty bad. Um, not taking away anything. 11 wins is 11 wins. Three years in a row might not ever be done again. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think this two-week stretch is more impressive than anything's been than anything's been done. There are two top 10 wins back-to-back. You snap yeah. a 40-game win streak, home win streak for Clemson. You snap a seven-game nasty losing streak to your in-state, right? Like, I mean, right now, Shane Beamer can walk on water in the Palmetto State. And uh, you, certainly you would think you can – you can uh, leverage that into some momentum into recruiting, mm-hmm. and of course that, the transfer portal. They have a top fifteen class right now, there so you go. and 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 that's been in place. Uh, so I'm curious to see, like, especially with the portal, and he he is hiring a new offensive coordinator. You know, kind of how that momentum helps them uh, as they continue to build. I mean, and they do they they lose a lot of players that played a lot of ball. Uh, this offseason, a lot of these uh, COVID seniors, six-year seniors, mostly on the offensive line and, and spots like that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because there, there's so much momentum now. There's talk that uh, Spencer Rattler, Marshawn Lloyd, Juice Wells, which, by the way, I know I've mentioned him on this podcast three or four times. There's a reason why I was like, get it. They need to get him the ball. I mean, he's, he's 20 catches for 308 yards and three touchdowns the last two weeks. I mean, wow. that's uh, – they got it from James Madison. I mean, yeah. um, no star guy out of high school. But Juice Wells and Jaheim Bell, they're they're do-it-all tight end guy. There's a chance those four guys come back next year. NIL money. And, yeah, I mean, and, and Spencer already makes a bunch. But the other guys uh, could all come back. You know, Marshawn was hurt down the list. If those guys come back, and South Carolina can get some some pieces from the portal, and they don't they don't lose a guy like Jordan Birch, who's frankly not ready to go. Um, I think they can have a a really special season. Yeah. Next year, uh, and and funny they, they they have a big opener. They open against North Carolina and Mac Brown in Charlotte uh, to open twenty twenty three. So I I think there's going to be you know especially if they win the bowl game, and it looks like they're going to play Notre Dame in the bowl. You top it off with a win over Notre Dame huh. uh, at win nine um, and then sign a top 15 recruiting class, get some new players. Uh, anticipation is going to be through the roof in Columbia. You and I both live there. I mean, we know. Yeah. By the way, I'd be all in on a Drake May, Spencer Radler matchup to start to open Ooh. up the 2023 Ooh. campaign. That, that's up your alley. You love quarterbacks, man. Yeah, I, I do. I do. And I think Spencer would be well suited to stay another year. Your, your mm-hmm. stock is only going to go up and you're not going to be a first round draft pick. Uh, this coming year. Um, so I, I did a deep dive on as I'm watching that. I'm looking at Shane. And I just remember all the people. Is like, how do you hire a guy who's never been a coordinator and all that stuff? And uh, a lot of fans criticizing the AD there, who's smelling like roses now because he made a hire that certainly was outside the box, and the program has made a, a major step forward. But I, I went back and I looked at 2021 and the coaching cycle. So Shane Beamer gets the job at South Carolina. Josh Heupel gets the job at Tennessee. I think right now both those fan bases are like, A-plus. Thank you very much. That worked out well. Brett Bielema, Illinois. Whew. I don't know if it's an A-plus, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah, what yeah. He has done. Um, Gus Malzahn, UCF. UCF's one win away. If, they were, if we had a 12-team playoff, they'd be one win away from the playoff. Instead, they're one win away from uh, winning the American. Lance Leipold, Kansas. Tremendous. Can you do a better job than he's done? No. Um, 
there's a couple here. And then there's, okay, now here's the flip side. Brian Harson. Brian Harson. And that was, oh, the, 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 the pundits thought that was like, they were like, oh, well, Shane Beamer's no Brian Harson. Yeah. He, he, he probably can't, he's not going to be able to recruit like Harson. And I'm like, and Harson finished dead last behind Vanderbilt in recruiting both years. He was there. Well, the justification was look at Harson. He hired Mike Bobo. Mm-hmm. And he hired what's his name from Vanderbilt, Derek Mason. They were Derek both Mason, the door, like yeah. you got two SEC coordinators. Mm. Yeah, they didn't last, and neither did Brian Harson. That was just bad. Uh, Clark Lee certainly deserves credit. He was hired <sighs> two years ago. Well, I, 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 he's doing a good, a great job. At yeah, Jed Fish in Arizona deserves credit. Right? They're, they they were in the dumpster, like because they went from Rich Rod to Kevin Sumlin. I I can't imagine like and look. Rich Rod and Kevin Sumlin, there's nothing, I don't have anything personally against them, but they're, let's just say those are two characters. Yeah. <laughs> and they had them back to back, and all of a sudden the program just blurred it. Yeah. Uh, belched, and it was, it was in the, in the dumpster. And, uh, and I, I'll admit on Fish, I kind of scratched my head a little bit like Jed Fish, but hey, he's doing good things. They won the Territorial Cup. Uh, that was a heck of a game, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and Arizona Wildcat football's marching back toward relevance. Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, to be determined. To be determined. I, I'd probably rank his performance below most of these guys. You oh, know, I, I agree. Just I agree. because of where he's at, you know. Well, now, yeah. I mean, I use you. I, I named the the best guys first. Yeah. Then I'm then I'm going to Sark. <laughs> then I'm going to Harson, Terry Bowden at ULM. Uh, Charles Huff of Marshall had the big win against Notre Dame. Not much else. And um, I'm missing one other guy, Blake Anderson, Utah State. And he's done a he's done a pretty good job out yeah. there at Utah State. My point is, is that it's a pretty damn good cycle of coaches. The 2021 hires could live in infamy. Yeah, I know? mean that's a that's a strong strong. There's always going to be some misses. They can't all be. Uh, you know, you can't you can't roll a seven every time out at the craps table, but but that's a lot of that's a lot of hits versus misses for the 2021. So that's my deep dive. Uh, glad mm. you could indulge me. Put on your your scuba gear, your mask, go down there and uh, uh, avoid the coral reefs and uh, don't get bitten by a shark. All right, we got to time to just finish real quick on some picks, JC, and then we'll call it a show. Yeah, I'm going to pull the things up right now and uh, see if I can get the latest line and all that. Championship weekend. Championship uh, weekend. I always love it. And by the way, I'm looking there as we as we close this out. No major news has happened uh, other than the West Virginia AD situation. But yeah, by the way, I saw who that was. That was the AD from North Texas. He's really good. Okay. Well, I mean, um, the, uh, hiring coaches and things like that. He's he's kind of a guy that some SEC programs have snuffed around about. So I will I will take your uh, your word for that. All right, in the bright lights, big city of Las Vegas, the Utes number eleven. What's a Ute? What's a Ute? Boy, what is a Ute? A Ute. <laughs> By the way, Marissa Tomei in that movie, yeah. my God. Uh, anyway. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> US- the wrestler, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, Still I, got I, it. Tremendous movie. Uh, Southern Cal minus – this. the spread's interesting, Mike. Minus two and a half in Las Vegas against Utah. Taking Southern Cal. Taking Southern Cal. That's all I have. I don't 
Uh, <laughs> I, I just feel I, like it's destiny that they actually climb over the final hump and get into the playoff. I think uh, I think I think they'll win. And, and honestly, if I were playing the point spread, I like the point spread too, just because. Although Utah did it last year, it's it's just hard to beat a team twice in college Very. football. I mean, we found that out last season. All right, here's another close line uh, in uh, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game at Jerry World. The A lot of purple in the stands. TCU minus two and a half against Kansas State. Uh, I had a chance to call a few of these matchups, kind of an underrated rivalry in the Big 12 you know, they're always that, oh, by the way, these teams are really good too. And now they're really having their year to shine. Um, again, I, I, I'm i rooting for the story here. And I like Kansas State's story, but I, I, I want to see this thing finished off. And if Matt, let me tell you this, as a Heisman voter, I know a lot of people think it's already in the bag. If Max Duggan shows out and Southern Cal does not have a good performance, I mean, Max Duggan's going to get some votes. He certainly mm-hmm. should be in New York at that point. Me too. Yeah, so, I agree. You know, so um, I'll go TCU. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, with the upset Kansas State. Okay. Because I, I I guaranteed at the top of the show there'd be one upset, and we're not you know we're, we're I'm not picking LSU or Purdue. You know, right, <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I think that's the more likely one. Uh, and, and, it, and it's to a point you've made all year, Mike, about the Big 12. And, and the, it, 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 you, you're spot on. It, it is a deep, tough league this year. Uh, and, and I think that's the truth. So it would stand to reason, uh, you know, just thinking about it, that it, it's going to be uh, – it's probably not the year to go undefeated in that league. Right. And TCU right. is. They passed every test. Um and uh, I just think I think it's it's tough to beat a team twice, and, and Kansas State's kind of been on the other. They've been on both sides of this in this in the in the Big Twelve title game. Lost a shot at a national title because A and M beat them when Michael Bishop was there, and then knocked Oklahoma out. Uh, and that game was in Kansas City. I remember thirty three seven when L Roberson was their quarterback. So K State has been on both sides of kind of this. Uh, lots it's a lot at stake. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of cool that. There is something at stake in the Big 12 title game, and Oklahoma and Texas aren't in it. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side, it's if you're a Pac-12 fan and Southern Cal pulls this thing off, it's bittersweet mm-hmm. because the the team, the program that finally got it going and finally got Pac-12 representation in the playoff is about to bolt to the SEC. Mm, big Big Ten. I'm sorry, Big Ten. Big Ten. I'm thinking I was on Oklahoma, Texas to the yeah. SEC. Yeah, so somebody, yeah, so, somebody just 10. somebody just heard that and went. So somebody in Starkville, Mississippi, is listening to our <laughs> podcast, and they, and they heard that bits and pieces, and they were they just called it. They're like, we got to get out of this league, man. Call we got to get out of this league already. Now we're at Southern yeah. Cal. <laughs> Call up the ACC, so they'll take us. But anyway, goodness gracious, stop already, Uncle. All yeah, right, no, they're going to the Big Ten and. Uh, yeah, the big it's a huge, obviously a huge win for the Big Ten and Pac-12 is still trying to figure things out. Yeah. The granddaddy of them all, and, and I'm gonna start using this for the SEC championship game because I'm mad at the Rose Bowl. Uh for for again, this is the same organization that for years did did not allow the sport to have a true national championship, right? I, I don't know where their heads at. I love the game, I love the pageantry, I I I, I love that there is a Rose Bowl. But this stupid hold up, like they're holding up the twelve team playoff expansion, or they have to get with them and talk to them. I'm like, look, you've done enough. You've caused enough problems 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's the Big Ten, Pac-12, and, and and two of the biggest teams in the Pac-12 are about to go to the Big Ten. You know, maybe spice up your matchup a little bit. Maybe there's some things that can help you not become a relic. Uh, but stop holding up progress. I mean, th- th- this re- it's ridiculous. But anyway, so I'm from now on calling the granddaddy of them all the SEC championship game because it is. It's 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 no matter who's playing in it, Mike, and uh, it is always the big game on championship Saturday. And this is no different. Uh, LSU against Georgia. Now, uh, this may be one of those blowouts, but uh, and the last time these two teams played in Atlanta, LSU, of course, was blowing them out. I think it's going to be opposite today. Georgia minus 17 and a half. I'm, I'm going with the dogs to win and cover. I'm going with the dogs. I'll take LSU to cover just because that's a high number. But, you know, one thing that uh, was brought to my attention, Kirby Smart, I believe, is now one in four in SEC championship games. Yeah, not a whole lot of, yeah, it's not a whole lot of numbers that are are on the on the in the red. Uh, on Kirby's ledger at Georgia, but that's one of them. And I'm sure being the competitor that it, that he is, that bothers him a little bit. So yeah, you could, you could lose a close game and still get in the playoff, but he wants, he wants the ring. He wants that SEC championship. Yeah. And, I, and I think they get it. Yeah. He has one. He has exactly one SEC championship and uh, one national championship. <laughs> uh, yeah. And as Steve Spurrier often said, shoot, it's harder to win the SEC than to win the national. Right. That's the truth. All right, 3 p.m. on ABC, opposite this, and I'll be able to flip back and forth because I'm a huge Tulane fan. Uh, glad to see them beat Cincinnati, and and they're hosting in kind of a rematch from a couple of weeks ago. It was a great 38-31 game. They are hosting UCF in New Orleans for the American. Uh, Tulane minus four. I'm going to go with my green wave to win but not cover. I think it'll be like a one-point game. UCF John is still angry at me because the last time these teams met, I picked Tulane and ah. UCF won. So it was an in-your-face type of uh, deal there. <laughs> am I going to be stubborn? I don't know. You're damn right I am. I'm taking <laughs> Tulane again. Greenway. Now you can't handle the truth, you UCF John. <laughs> you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> Deep down at parties, you don't talk about people like me. I don't need to justify what I do when you enjoy the very fabric of free freedom I provide. Either way, I don't care what you do. Okay, I've clearly seen that movie way too many times. Did you order the code red on Santiago? <laughs> You're damn right I did. <laughs> All right, so Purdue and Michigan. Look, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. <laughs> I love that. You, Lieutenant. Um, good to see Purdue. Uh, uh, drove to through Indianapolis to go to Lexington, Kentucky, um, a few months ago, and then Purdue's right there near Indianapolis. I'm sure every Purdue fan that can get a ticket will get a ticket. Michigan's going to bring a crowd. I, Michigan's minus seventeen. I I I think Michigan will win and probably probably now these two teams didn't play during the regular season, but right. probably win. Uh the 17 may get tricky if Purdue's offense is, is clicking. They got a great quarterback. Yeah, Jeff Brom is a heck of a play caller, but yes, he is. Um my, my gut just says we may have a game for like the first time, and then Michigan yeah. just pulls away and wins like 38-17. So I'm going Michigan to win and cover. I will as well. I think they just wear Purdue down. And I'll say one final thing on this. I was on a show this morning, and 
guy asked me, do you think the Big Ten is going to do what the SEC is going to do and what the um, Pac-12 Pac-12 is already done and the ACC is is doing? And or, yeah, I, it, get rid of divisions where I'm going with all this. And my only thing about that is, just think about it. Almost every year, unless there's something dramatically that changes, unless Wisconsin has this incredible surge or, um, I don't know, Nebraska becomes the Nebraska of old, you're going to have Michigan-Ohio State meet back-to-back weeks almost every year. And I don't know if that's a great thing for that rivalry, and I don't know if it's a great thing for the Big Ten. Yeah, that was my concern about the, the SEC doing that. What if, you know, what if Hugh Freeze wins big? We've seen Auburn be nationally relevant and, and win national titles. So, so you're sitting there, right? And and you have a tell twelve team playoff, so you're you're all you're both in to begin with, uh, and you have an Iron Bowl, and, and then you're going to turn right around the next week in Atlanta and go play again. You know, yeah, uh, or, or you know, or uh, so I. I that's the about the whole the one through 16 thing that that's the one thing i just don't like is it, it doesn't give other teams access but but i do understand like from a tv standpoint and from a uh a casual fan standpoint you know uh i'm not fired up about purdue you know, the only people fired up about purdue play at michigan are purdue fans you know right. uh i think they'd much rather fans would much rather see michigan ohio state part two you know so that's that's probably the thought behind it is you know just the top two teams, but and in the SEC too with, with the with the what the way you have to do the schedule, you know they're going to go probably with a three six six model, which means you're going to play three teams every year, then you're going to play six, and then the other six. Mm-hmm. So, so th- there's going to be all this discussion about bias and things like that because you know there's some years Alabama's other six are going to be the bottom six teams in the league. Yeah, and, and they're going to never- get there. You know, that, that never changes. Like you can't, it's no perfect. System. There's no, yeah, there's, there's no perfect system for any of that. Um, and at least with the sec there, there's a little more of a variety pack of teams, you know, whether it's an LSU, uh, yeah. popping up or, uh, like I said, you know, we're seeing those Eastern schools start to ascend. Maybe we see a little more variety there. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe one day we'll actually have two former Eastern Division teams meeting in Atlanta for the SEC championship. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. it'll be Tennessee, South Carolina, or, or Missouri, Georgia, Florida. Yeah. I, who knows? But maybe I'm going with Missouri, Kentucky, Mike, <laughs> just because I know that would that would that would make your life happy if Missouri and Kentucky played. In that Atlanta, would set cause... the Earth off of its axis. No, <laughs> no question about that. Uh, well, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, our thanks to everybody again. Uh, you know, the the audience numbers have been terrific throughout this season. We go year round; we're not stopping, uh, and they continue to uh, be great year round. So we thank all of you for for choosing us. Uh, we know there's a lot of options out there, and appreciate you listening uh, <clears throat> each and every week here on JC and Morgan. Again, presented by Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com. JC, look forward to doing it again next week. We'll have a lot of championship games and a Fourteen playoff set to discuss. Woohoo! Fired up about that, Mike. You have a good one. I enjoyed it today. All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to episode number one hundred and eighty. It's JC and Morgan saying so long. We'll see you next week. <laughs>